What do we do after the fires, the floods, the pandemic? We live in a crisis-rich environment. And how do we learn and prepare for next time? My name is Will Small and this is Olivia Wolf. We believe stories are one of the most powerful learning and evolutionary tools we have. And this, this orange glow is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, this is not good. So we've listened to people's stories about disaster recovery, community resilience and mental well-being. From firefighters to clinical psychologists. There was a family that were actually protecting their house and they actually gave up their their Christmas lunch. Small business owners to communities who have experienced loss and communities that have survived together. It's not often that people intentionally go out of their way to get to know their neighbours these days. These are conversations about what has happened, what may happen and how we can prepare for the future. It was an ordeal that we'll never forget. This is Emergency Ready Now. This podcast is presented by Central Coast Council and lead by Story and jointly funded by the Commonwealth and the New South Wales State Government under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. The views expressed are the opinions of the individuals interviewed. Please be aware these topics may be sensitive, particularly if you have personally been affected by bushfires. If you need to talk to someone, you can always call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Well, hello everybody and uh, welcome to the last episode of Emergency Ready Now. Um, I'm joined by Olivia Wolf. Hello. And also Jen East. G'day. And uh, Jen is one of the behind the scenes forces behind this whole podcast. And so we thought to, to wrap up this whole series of great conversations we've had about community resilience and disasters and how we um, go through these things together and emerge um, as a community, uh, we thought we'd kind of have a, a bit of a conversation looking back at some of the, the chats we've had and also looking, looking towards what we might put into place in our own lives. Now, Jen... People don't know who you are, so would you like to introduce yourself <laughs> and how you played a, a role in this whole podcast? Yeah, happening? no worries. Well, I guess this all started when you know we experienced a range of natural disasters, and uh, the biggest one for us, so you know, most recently was the um, Black Summer bushfires of two thousand and nineteen, two thousand and twenty, uh, and Central Coast Council received. Um, an amount of money from um, the Commonwealth and also the New South Wales um, government to assist, you know, local councils and other organisations to um, increase resilience and preparedness and recovery for people affected by bushfires. Ironically, at the same time, we experienced a whole range of things that we didn't expect to mm-hmm. experience here on the Central Coast and floods is one of them and the global pandemic is the other. So the project came at a really awesome time to be able to explore issues uh, local on the Central Coast but also um, experiences from other people who'd, who'd had those same experiences throughout Australia so my job as a community education officer at the council um, was an important one because not only were we trying to encourage resilience and encourage preparedness in our residents, um, we also wanted people to be really bushfire aware 
and mm. and flood aware um, because those type of disasters are likely to continue. Mm. So that's where the project kind of, um, you know, the spark yep. occurred. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. There was a group of us um, and who had the same interest in developing this kind of content for people. And it was also a new and exciting way to explore these, um, these issues that affect people on the Central Coast, um, you know, that they could listen in their own time and, and understand themselves how these um, natural disasters, COVID, floods had impacted them. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you know, there's a good chance that you've listened to a bunch of the other episodes or at least some of the other episodes. If you haven't, I encourage you to go back and get amongst some of those. Um, but Jen, you have obviously listened to all of the episodes. The, the three of us, as well as others, have, have worked collaboratively on putting um, this show together. And one of the things I thought we could just have a chat about as we sit around the table today is just to kind of um, take a moment to pause and think after that set of interviews, conversations, stories, you know, psychologists, community members, all kinds of um, both experts as well as kind of everyday people, um, you know, what are some of the things that remain at the surface for you? Um, Olivia, you've been a part of, you know, a number of these interviews and helping to piece everything together. Mm -hmm. What are some of the kind of lessons that just have kind of remained at the surface of your mind as time's gone on? Mm. I think it's interesting because I was reflecting before, like what's really stayed with me. Because, I mean, there's been some time now between creation and now listening back. And I think really it's the stories like if someone comes to us with a genuine story about how bushfires or crisis affect, affected them or their families, I think it's like that kind of hooks into your memory and you really hold on to that. And so kind of what they learn is what you learn as well. Like um, Hal's stories really stayed with me. Um, Leanne and Neil's story talking about um, – you know, how experiencing a bushfire, say, doesn't just end there, but the trauma that you carry with that. And mm. um, I think those stories are really like what stayed with me, the the people connection. Yeah, 100%. How about yeah. you, Jen? Well, I'd have to agree. You know, I, I did speak to Leanne and Neil recently um, prior to um, their episode launching. And, you know, it was just a check-in really just to see – how things had gone, you know, 12 months on after the, the bushfires and they also had floods uh, where yeah. they were from. And, you know, the trauma is still there and it is still very raw mm. and the recovery process is still going on. And you're right, um, Leanne and Neil's story does stay with you and, you know, it was a fantastic first episode of mm. Emergency Ready Now mm. for sure. Yeah, um, I totally agree that the stories do stay with you and it's incredibly generous of anyone who has shared their story with us. Um, uh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but how after his episode came out, he shared, you know, on his social media that just the telling of the story was part of the healing mm, process. Yeah. And I think that there's that personal process of trauma and healing, but then there's also that trauma and healing that can happen at a wider community level. Mm. One of the things that has really stayed in my mind, and I probably talk to people about this um, every week this year, 
<laughs> is is that one of the things that Dr. Rob Gordon spoke about mm. is the difference between the first disaster and the second disaster. And you know the first disaster's over when the skies have turned back to blue after being red or when yeah. we're not wearing masks anymore or these physical kind of indicators that it's over. But if we don't actually do the work of processing it, talking about it, sharing our stories, then there's kind of another disaster waiting to happen mm. when that comes out in some potentially negative ways if we haven't processed it in healthy ways. Yeah, and I think that's where the episode from Anne Leadbeater comes in where she's talking about preparing for recovery, that yeah. you prepare for recovery before the disaster yeah. actually hits and, you know, it gives a community more stance or more ability to push through after an emergency like, um, and Anne was talking specifically about the Black Saturday bushfires down in Victoria, that having that um, framework or at least a concept or an idea about prepared preparing for recovery is so important for mental health, well-being, mm. resilience and all of the things that come along with those natural disasters. Yeah. As I look back on, you know, the kind of uh, number of conversations we had and think through some of those different individuals, I, I really appreciate that there's there's some really raw stories that are very painful, but there's also a number of stories that are quite positive and mm. are, that are very proactive um, and and then you've got the experts kind of speaking to that yeah. uh, and the experts including firefighters and first responders and, um, yeah, I think it's important to hear both and to expose ourselves to the times where it could have gone differently if we'd been more prepared as well mm-hmm. as to seeing stories of people that are really on the front, front foot with their kind of attitude towards community development. Yeah, and, you know, I did have a conversation with Vicky Campbell from the RFS after listening to that first episode. Amazing. And she said, look, you know, we're always learning um, as as a service and listening to the Delimores um, talk about their experience is an educational tool for them wow. to learn more about communication and how communities uh, need to be made aware of um, threats around them and, you know, it highlighted some things for her which she took back to the wow. RFS, which is great. Um, and also I think that those type of experiences um, – you know, it, it's so great that somebody as high-ranking as her can understand the the trauma and the uh, fear that that family experienced and, and use it in a really positive way. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. Like, I just assumed oh, this podcast is great for us lay people. <laughs> but even to take it back to, like, the, the, all these stories are so valuable to everyone on whatever level you are. There's yeah. something there's, there's all these gold nuggets in there that everyone can take something from. Yeah, for sure. And I think the content was so, um, you know, vast in, in what we covered. Mm. Um, you know, we covered connection, which was one of the massive themes that came out of it, was the, you know, resilience through connection and people really needing to be um, part of their community that they lived in and know their neighbours and, um, you know, that's part of the being prepared for these things is is by um, being part of a community. We covered mental health. We covered, um, you know, children's mental health and children's wellbeing. We covered volunteerism and what it is to be part of a community and, you know, the list goes on with what we've what we have covered, but I'm just really proud of it actually. Mm, that's great. You know, the other thing is you, I was thinking just then that it, it's also the geographical 
coverage that um, potentially if we live in our little bubble on the central coast or our little village, we forget how wonderfully diverse this place is. And it's been awesome to hear, you know, people come at these issues uh, from a mangrove mountains perspective or a long jetty perspective or kind of some of the more northern suburbs that got hit really badly in those black summer fires. Um, but to, to kind of have this broader sense of um, what a rich place to live mm. in, in its diversity of, um, you know, physical landscape but mm. also diversity of people and their stories and to bring all those threads together is yeah quite special. that's right and I think listening to Christine and and um, Jeff had you know highlighted to me the intense pressure that they felt to protect the rest of the coast from the fire the impending mm. fire and I think um, as a resident who doesn't live on the on the mountainside of the coast I really wasn't aware that that's how they felt um, and it makes me really proud of them for, um, you know, continuing to, you know, week after week go through that bushfire experience and um, still be quite positive about the fact that, you know, they did protect the rest of the coast from, from those fires. So most of those conversations happened... Um, Close to a year ago, um, a lot of them were at the end of 2020 or some of them were early 2021. Um, and I think that the kind of themes of those conversations are going to be relevant for a long time to come. But between now and, and the, that first kind of round of talking to people and hearing their stories, we've been through one of the most wild it's years crazy. on planet Earth. Yeah. Um, and it, we kind of got to this point, you know, I think back to – maybe, I don't know, April, May, where things were feeling like they were back to normal in inverted commas. And then we went through this really long extended lockdown here on the Central Coast. And um, that, you know, I think was a, another test of our community resilience. And I wondered, you know, if, if as we look back on those conversations, as we kind of cast our mind back to some of the themes that came out, does any of that look different or does it look more magnified or important as we think about our experiences between now and then? Well, I think definitely the concept of the neighbourhood mm. is, you know, a huge um, a key thing that came out of the podcast but also something that came out of COVID and that, you know, there was all of these activities where people were um, having – you know, groups of, of people putting on Facebook where they go to shops for, for people, they do shopping, go to the pharmacy, things like that. Um, Benj and Mel cover it really well in their episode where they're talking about getting to know your neighbours and mm. actively trying to seek out some sort of contact, not in a weird way, <laughs> but in enough just to let people know that you're there yeah. and that they can connect with you or, you know, them if, um, if they'd like to. And I think that that, you know, village-type community has um, become so important as a result of COVID. I think definitely magnified. Like, a lot of the same things carry over into any sort of crisis. Um, I was thinking today about, again, another gold nugget from Rob Gordon. Um, but, yeah, like sharing your story part as well for COVID. Um, I th yeah, I think it was Rob who was talking about um, 
trauma as like a is like digestion. Mm. Pretty sure that yeah. was Rob. Um, and that's just really been magnified in COVID of how you remember things, how you deal with things. Um, and trauma kind of affects that digestive tract. So you can't... Um, you the can't thing really remains unprocessed. Exactly. And so it comes up in all these other ways. Mm. Um, and I have definitely think I've seen like a magnification in trauma, but also like the importance of mental health. Mm. And I think people are realising how important that is and how important it is to go through your stuff and um, sit with it and seek out help. I think all of those things are just so important and now we're kind of understanding that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking as we kind of did a lot of those interviews that the community connection thing was coming up again and again. It was coming up, you know, and Dr John Irvine Mm -hmm. spoke a lot about that. Um, Nick Tebby spoke about yeah. the neighbourhood day and, and that whole concept of the neighbourhood and its relationship with mental health. Mm. Um, and then uh, so many of the conversations touched on connection, 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 but that was before mm. we went through a potentially very isolating lockdown. And yeah. I think that there are probably people now who are still um, still in that space of disconnection or, or potential isolation. And I think there's a real need and opportunity for us now as as we move out of lockdown and into whatever 2022 is going to hold mm. to try and do what we can to reach out and establish some stronger links. Um, I moved house in um, March this year and it was like that fresh start to m- meet the neighbours. And, and so during lockdown, you know, we put little boxes of chocolates in the neighbours' mailboxes and had some really lovely connection and it felt, it's felt more neighbourly than I've ever felt in any house in my life. And I think that that's probably partly been influenced by listening yeah. to Nick and others speak about that and, and you know, Benjamin and Joe Hilder and others who really are looking beyond themselves. Mm. Um, and it's, it's one of those weird things where when we look beyond ourselves, it helps us. When yeah. we're looking to the needs of our neighbours, exactly. it, it often has a positive impact on our mental health or our mm. sense of well-being. 100%. And I think that during COVID, for example, my neighbour is a uh, food tech teacher. She's retired now. And I have never eaten so many sweet things <laughs> in my life. And, you know, we've lived next door to each other for eight years. And uh, until this lockdown, you know, we've lived next door to each other and we've greeted each other and, you know, borrowed each other's tools and things like that. But this time was different and it was because the connection was there and, you know, there was more um, reliance on each other in this time um, than ever before. I think the interesting um, conversation, which is the, the um, one of the last episodes with um, Stephen Hinks and he, he talks about Killy Cares and the formation of a group out of need or necessity because of vulnerable people in the mm. in the community. And I think and I hope, um, you know, if anybody takes anything from Emergency Ready Now, it's the knowledge that just making that one, you know, one leap or that one connection with somebody um, will, will uh, in effect... Uh, help with community resilience and building those groups like Killy Cares, um, you know, there's River Cares as well down in Spencer uh, is a really good way of kind of 
connecting the community. You don't have to be best friends, you know, but you have the same ideals and the same want for the community to really um, incorporate people into the community. So if emergencies like this happen again, they know what to do, you know, they know who to reach out for and to um, and to make sure that their most vulnerable are looked after. Yeah, for sure. As both of you think about, I guess, where we're at now, it's, it's, I see it as a, a, a bit of a rebuild moment and an opportunity for all of us maybe to look at our, our rhythms, our routines. Some of us listening might have um, totally shifted the way that we work from working in an office in Sydney to working at home potentially. Um, you know, obviously... There's been all kinds of change for young people this year, um, you know, with having several months not in person at school. Um, I think there's an opportunity now to kind of maybe rebuild, maybe change some things. So I'm just wondering if you think about, I guess, your own context or your neighbourhood or the circles that you're in, what are some things you'd love to see happening 12 months from now that maybe ha- would could start as a result of some of what we've been through? Does anything come to mind for you? I've got one that I can start okay, with. I, well. um, uh, Olivia and I, we're both poets, we're both writers and we have a little writing group where, um, you know, people are busy. It's hard often to fit in another thing into the schedule yeah. potentially. Um, but what we do in our group is just somebody sends a little writing prompt at the beginning of the week. Um, often Olivia is that person, <laughs> sends some great prompts. And then by the end of the week, everyone in the group just replies with a short poem. That's their response to that. And through that process, it's another form of sharing stories and and replying to people and saying, I love that line that you wrote or I love the way that you interpreted that prompt. And I feel like a renewed sense of the importance and significance of a group like that that doesn't take a lot of time um, but is just another kind of little strengthening bond of connection. 12 months from now, I'd love to see that continuing and maybe including more people over time. Yeah, I think for me it's more about um, potentially not being as busy and not so much not as connected, that's probably the opposite, but being connected in more meaningful ways. And so, um, you know, I really noticed that, you know, previously I would just text a friend, you know, and so I've made more of a conscious effort to actually phone somebody um, to have a chat, which I think... You know, I, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit of a pest because <laughs> people are, are, are busy. But the, the personal connection, I think, uh, for me is, is needing people to, to hear my voice um, and rather interpret what I'm saying through, through a text. And I think that um, by doing that, it kind of puts out the branch to say, you know, you're welcome to call me. I like that. You know, it makes me think... A couple of things that changed out of necessity for me in lockdown was I started to walk more because it was one of the only things we could do. Um, And as many of us perhaps were experiencing a bit of like over the screen, Zoom fatigue, you know, like particularly if you're in a job where you have to Zoom a lot, you don't really feel like doing it as a form of social connection at the end of the day. So I recovered the, the goodness of a phone call while walking. Whereas, like, I can connect with somebody and be physically exercising. That's great. Um, so that's a thing I'd like to keep going as well. Two and one. Yeah. And you see it, you know, with everybody out walking still. They've kept the habit. Um, 
as a as a council or as an organisation, we've never seen as many people use our shared pathways, and we have yeah, you know wow. now and through COVID, um, it, it is bringing back the neighbourhood, and you know if you can try to take anything bad out of something good, um, sorry, out of some <laughs> something good out of something, something bad. bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I meant. You. Um, you know, that's it. That uh, the outdoors is free, and mm. um, that people have enjoyed space outdoors more than ever Mm. how about you live i think mine's a little like counterintuitive but that you don't have to do everything and that there's actually like it's good for your mental health to not do everything like you can be intentional like doing the one thing instead of doing the, the 20 things um i think i've kind of fostered a kindness towards myself that i didn't have before um, you know, whereas before I might push myself to do something I wasn't up to doing, I think COVID kind of taught me you don't have to do those things and it's easy to to do things from home or it's easier to do those types of things, whereas before I was like, oh, but everyone does this, so I should probably do it. But um, kind of fostering that idea of the individual and what works for you doesn't work for other people and then that's okay. Um which to circle back kind of relates to the podcast in the way that we heal and the way that we um, prepare for things isn't the same as everyone else and that's okay as well. Mm. Yeah, good point. Mm. I think on that um, in terms of preparedness and I think that's probably something that I'd like to cover off um, for, for people to be, you know, kind to themselves as well. Mm. But... Um, being more prepared for emergencies like, you know, you can't be prepared for for a global pandemic, yeah. I think. That is just outrageous what yeah. has gone on in the last, you know, two years. But I think in terms of uh, storm, flood, um, you know, fire, earthquake, any of those kind of multi-hazard um, events that, you know, if, if there's only one thing that you do, um, you know, it is have a think about what you would do in those type of, you know, emergencies. And, you know, we've seen it from those people who've practised their preparedness routines, um, you know, and I'm talking about Adam Holland um, in his interview where he, you know, was putting all of his preparedness to the test every week. Um, you know, that intention um, helps with that ongoing, you know, recovery from trauma and, and the resilience that people um, obtain if you can um, you know when those events do happen I think that you know I'd like everybody as a bit of homework actually after listening to this final final episode would be to make sure that they do have an emergency plan and then they do tell their neighbours and families what they would do in case of an emergency and and also um, develop some so- sort of um, emergency kit with all of their good things that they would take like, you know, insurance documents and photos and everything that's important to them. Not everything because, you know, unless you've got a trailer, (laughs) you're not taking those. Um, But I guess, you know, I just wanted to make sure that people listening to this understand that, you know, even if they just do a couple of things from a list, you know, every week to get to the point of of having a plan, um, it'll help with their ongoing recovery if and when an event like this happens again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that, you know, 
we've definitely learned, one would hope, is that the world is unpredictable. Yeah. And even um, in a, a country like Australia or a place like the Central Coast, which has you know a lot to be grateful for in terms of stability and predictability, um, you can't you can't stop mm. weather events happening. You can't stop um, you know global shipping supply <laughs> issues. You know, there's, <laughs> there's all kinds of things that are beyond our control. Um, and that's just a part of life. So, like, to acknowledge and accept that, but then what I've been thinking about is, well, what are those small things that we can control, those small things that we can put into place? You know, we can't change the big stuff. We can't mm-hmm. stop a fire from coming through, but we can um, have a plan in place. Yeah. We can have, you know, the, the right phone numbers, you know, on the fridge or we can have um, practised things with our, with our families um, so I think that's a huge point is, you know, let's let's accept the difficult fact mm. that life is unpredictable yeah. and be, a lot of stuff is beyond our control, but then let's use that as motivation to identify those little things that could make a world of difference mm. um, if something happens, if we've, we've taken kind of control over those little steps. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true of our mental health as well as yeah. our our properties and, you know, kind of our physical existence. Um, I think the whole idea of having a mental health plan for yourself, having a wellbeing plan, um, working out the things that that help you, those really small steps, whether it's walking or whether it's writing or whether it's um, having a group that you can just chat with and, mm. you know, shoot the breeze kind of thing. Um, that stuff's so important. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, the episode about – journaling uh, I think that's Nick Tebby talks about journaling and I I would encourage anybody to just pick up a piece of paper it doesn't have to be you know a leather bound book <laughs> that you would expect Fancy. to do journaling in you know with in the corner of your den um, you know it's just about writing thoughts down and and you know if you can't express things in a way where you're talking to somebody you know face to face just popping down your experiences um, you know, can be a really positive, valuable tool. Awesome. Well, I think there's been a – this has been a helpful conversation for me to, yeah, to actually um, let some of those lessons kind of sink in a bit a bit deeper. Um, and one of the things that makes me think as well is that there's a lot of these conversations that would be worth listening to a second time, maybe making some notes about mm-hmm. what stands out or what your next step is based on that. So if you're listening – you know, do that, share this with someone who, who you think would benefit, have a chat about it together. Um, how about we wrap up with each of us just sharing maybe our one or two sentences that we would most want to leave in the ears of our listeners, um, the thing that we'd most want them to think about at, at the end of listening to this episode? I have one. Um, the one thing we didn't really touch on that I thought would be good to end on is that even though like the environment is unpredictable, it's also beautiful. Um, and Michelle Biddulph saying, you know, there's a good and bad, and I think that's the same with life. So it's beautiful, but it's also complex and sometimes a bit scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would really love it if people introduce themselves to their neighbours. I think that, you know, listening to the the stories about how valuable that is and that it's really held some of these um, guest speakers up in times of need. 
I think, you know, that would be my one thing that if you don't know them, get to know your neighbours. Mm, good stuff. My final thought would be um, to find someone you can exchange stories with. What's your 2021 story, you know, or 2020? What are the things that you um, never could have seen happening that happened that were really tough for you or that were really beautiful unexpectedly for you and find someone that you can actually um, share that with and ask what it is for them? If you've uh, gotten value out of this podcast, give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Share, uh, share it on your social media. Continue to do whatever you need to do based on this conversation and the other ones in the series to become emergency ready now. This show has been brought to you by Central Coast Council and Lead by Story. I hope, as I'm sure Jen and Olivia and everyone who's worked on this hopes that This is not just a set of ideas, but something that you can put into practice in your context.